Check, check. We need, you want the third one here? We're just putting on the stage, right? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Probably not. I mean, everybody's so close, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll give a couple more minutes. We'll wait to hear that. <laughs> Raul, you need a good massage before this. <laughs> nice. You guys ready? So, um, just by way, just by way of, you're, you are or you are not ready. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, uh, okay. Um, so um, we're planning to do questions toward the end, but kind of the way that we figured it would be best is if we stick to the topic of the night. Um, most parenting, at least what we found is um, there are people that have specific issues of behavior or bent of the child or just difficulty and they want to ask that question. Um, we would love for you to write down your parenting questions. If, if they're germane to what we're talking about tonight, then you know we can get into that tonight. But if, if they have to do with something other, because we're gonna go for eight weeks, so there's gonna be different topics that we're gonna. But um, tonight what we'd like to do is, is to lay some foundation, if you can just be a little bit patient um, here. This will probably be a little bit more teaching than the rest of the classes maybe, but we're gonna definitely get into some practical issues. Um, let me say by way of starting, you guys in this room have heard me, <laughs> and I'll say this before, um, we're, we're not parenting experts. Um, neither of us came from a good family as far as Christian upbringing. So we were pretty much clueless in our child rearing. That's just the truth. And um, the things that we're going to share here, it's just over 32 years of experience of um, making a lot of mistakes, repenting a lot, and um, trying to listen to the Lord and to gain wisdom. And that, that's really the truth. That's the basis of this. If there's any um, credibility or authority behind that, um, raising seven children for 32 years, um, it's, it's to the glory of God. I mean... If you look at our kids and go, oh, that's good fruit, um, that's to the glory of God. That's not to the wisdom of a man. It really isn't. And um, so just keep that in mind. We're not trying to. We have a lot of examples just because we've had a lot of kids over a lot of years. Um, but the Lord has broken through, and we've had a lot of tears, too. So what we're going to try to help with is to, to lay foundation, but to try to maybe help you see my philosophy has always been if, if I can listen to somebody else that has messed up and learn from that where I can skip past that point, that's a good thing. 
And so whatever we can do to offer that, um, we would like to do that. And just kind of, you know, this, this really has been a passion for us. Obviously, you know, I mean, the Lord really dealt strongly with us to have a large family. That's part of his um, call for us and destiny. And so this was really important to us. And, and these are just kind of things that we have gleaned. Um, I know that when I preach, it comes out and people get really tired of hearing the illustrations. And so I'm being conscious of that. I'm not and trying not to do that anymore. I'm saying, Lord, help me not to bring out any illustrations about kids anymore. Um, but um, uh, it's because it's deep in our heart. Um, th- this, is, this is calling. Here, here's what I believe. Um, what happens with our children and raising our children, offering them unto the Lord as little disciples is probably the thing that has, that I'm sure has the most eternity in it versus other things that I've done, whether ministry, whether blah, blah, you name it. Um, I, I believe that. Like I would have more joy in my heart um, for the Lord to look at my children than to look at ministry for me. I think it's more impactful, and I think it's more um, eternal. Um, I believe that, and I, I believe that the Scripture puts a heavy premium on it. So if you'll just bear with me here for a little bit, we're, we'll get into the interesting uh, stories and stuff. But, but allow me, if you will, just to lay some foundation here, and then Diane's going to speak a lot. My wife has a, a ton of wisdom on raising children, uh, on the specific questions of, of child-rearing. Like she, I mean, in my view, I know she doesn't see herself this way, but I think she's a genius. Um, she, she has a lot of wisdom from the Lord. You know why? Because she's cried a lot of tears crying out to God for wisdom. What do I do with these kids? Um, and, and we both have to some degree, but that's how you gain wisdom. Um, it doesn't just come by listening to somebody else and then you're just going to copy what they do. So what we say here tonight, like, uh, and, and through these, this, uh, these sessions, it's not going to be, okay, you just do exactly what we did. It's not like that. There's God himself knows the children. They're all different. This is the crazy thing. You know, the, the, the debate over nurture or nature, which is it? Is it the atmosphere they grow up in that makes them the way they are? Or is it something inborn in them when they're born? And the answer is it's both. Um, and so you have lots of different dynamics. The same children in our house that were raised exactly the same way sometimes reacted exactly opposite. It's crazy. Um, and so you just need insight because the Lord knows how he made those little ones to tick. And he knows how to make them respond to his heart. And so um, if you'll allow me, Deuteronomy chapter 6, I have two scriptures that I want to um, refer to to lay some foundation. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. And then, um, by the way, the, the title of, of this series The title of this series is this, and this is super important. Parenting with God. Parenting with God. That means you and God together parenting. Okay? So I'm going to make the case from even from Scripture that that the way that God says with parenting, the way that he um, deals with us with parenting isn't that he goes... Here, here's a book. I'm going to put it in your mailbox tonight. You just get that and um, have a happy life with your kids. Like you just follow that manual and, and, and everything's going to be cool. And, and I, I don't believe that that is the paradigm that he gives us. I believe that he actually works with us. Does he use this word? How many of you have heard me preach? I love the word of God. It's powerful and inspired. Yes, he does use it. But you have to know individually how to apply it in your situation. Okay, so back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 1. 
Now, this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. Why, Moses? That you might do them in the land where you're going over to possess it. Verse 2. I want you to notice in verse 2 and verse 3 the word that, because that tells the reason. So that you and your son and your grandson... Talking about generations of your offspring, right? You and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life. Notice, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So um, I'm going to give you my definition of biblical parenting. Um, and, and you can do with it what you will. I, I believe it's scriptural. Um, here's a, here it is. Biblical parenting is partnering with God in such a way that our children learn to love him wholeheartedly and follow him in his full purpose for their lives so he can fully bless them. Biblical parenting is parenting with God in such a way, partnering, I, I should say, is partnering with God in such a way that our children learn to love him wholeheartedly and follow in his full purpose for their lives so he can fully bless them. Um, that's what we're doing. The main goal of parenting in Scripture is not so that your kid can be number one in class rank and be a surgeon and make, you know, $2 million a year, $5 million, whatever. It, it's not that. There's secondary reasons why we raise our children. Of course, we want them to be responsible. Of course, we want them to be, um, you know, rise to their highest potential. But at the end of the day, the, the main reason for parenting is very God-centered. It's that the children are mine, says the Lord, and we are in partnership with him to raise them so that they love him and fulfill his purpose and destiny in creating them. That's what our partnership is about with our children. And so um, you, you realize very quickly that um, this is going to take more than our brain for this to be accomplished. There has to be supernatural impartation and working of the Holy Spirit in parenting for that actually to happen. Um, and so we are dependent. You, you will hear us say over and over again, like, <laughs> we're so dependent upon the Holy Spirit for everything. In teenage years, I say this to the glory of God, right? Seven children. No, none of them have rebelled, uh, gone into drugs, gone crazy. Um, oh, wow, that's a, it's a testimony to God's grace because the sooner that he gets a hold of their heart, you know, our goal was, and we saw early on, you know what, there's things deep inside of your child that you can't reach, that only God can reach, and the whole goal of parenting, in order for them um, to be all that they're supposed to be, you we start out, disciplining them externally to restrain their flesh and their foolishness. 
but the goal is for God to get so a hold of them on the inside that they have a higher accountability than us. And so that process, when they start to develop a conscience, and we're going to talk about helping your child to develop a conscience. That's a big deal. Um, and keep their conscience clean. But it's so beautiful when you see your child come to you and confess to you before you caught them crying and saying, I'm so sorry I did whatever. There's something happening on the inside. Um, that's very beautiful. And seeing the Lord gain ownership and um, priority in their heart is just a very beautiful thing. So we're going to talk about some of the things that we've learned and we'll talk about a ton of things that we had to repent of that we did wrong. One of the great things about parenting that we model for our kids is that we teach them how to repent because we're always in need of it. Okay. Um, uh, no, that's not true. She has. She does have some good stories about repenting that she's going to share in just a little bit. But um, no, it's it's definitely both of us. I mean, you, you see your own luck. Um, okay, so let me just finish this um, on on Deuteronomy. Um, then I want Diane to share some of her examples. So um, verse five, uh, verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, and the Lord is one. And here, look at verse five. Uh, really important. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. Um, and who, who's he talking to in verse 5 and 6? Well, verse 7 makes it clear. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. So verse 5 and 6, he's talking to parents. Uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. Notice the word, please, diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. What, what does this give you the picture of? Like, this isn't a part-time job. This is not a part-time job. Diligently, when you get up, when you go to bed, when you walk by the way, whenever. Okay, he, he's eliminated basically every part of time where you can go, okay, we're off now. There's no off time. So that's part of the tired, you know, the, the tiredness of parenting is that vigilance and diligence are part of the program. And um, what God wants from us is our partnership. And so we have to be all in um, for him to do what he wants to do. And yet he's the one that actually does the important stuff. Okay, uh, you shall buy and then I'll finish up verse 8 and 9. And then I want to make some observations and I'm going to have Diane. Share. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I mean, this seems to be like a pretty um, uh, heavy deal where it encompasses your whole life. I can tell you right now that biblical parenting, it, it encompasses your whole life. It swallows up your life. It is a life job. I, I, I would like to say that I believe that there is no job that's more important to the Lord. I never have believed that ministry was as important as child rearing. I don't believe it. I won't believe it. I do not believe it. Uh, you know, I, um, I love Jeremiah with all my heart. I feel for him because of the calling that he has. It's so difficult. But I do try to help him keep in perspective. I said, well, you know, he's talking about a meeting in 21 day this or that. And I said, bro, listen, when you stand before Jesus, 
He's not going to ask you about how many meetings you had that went 21 days. He's going to say, how is Bella's soul? <laughs> He's not going to be impressed with the meetings. He wants to know, how are your kids? How is their soul? And so keeping things in proper perspective. Hey, of course. Yeah, amen. Yeah, that's part of, obviously, the Lord impressed that on our pastor. I mean, we don't try to project our story on somebody else where everybody needs to have seven children. I mean, we're not saying that at all and never have never believed that. But but for us, that was part of his plan. And so, you know, um, it, it, it's, a, it's an important, a hugely important deal. Do, do you know in, in um, Genesis chapter 18, um, God's talking to Abraham. You guys know the story? Do, do you know why God said that he chose Abraham to be the father of many nations? Do you, do you know why? Have you ever read that passage carefully? He said, I've chosen him because I know him that he will train his children after him to follow me. Yeah, he was the father of faith. But God's testimony of Abraham was, I chose him because I know he's going to raise up his children and follow me. It's very powerful. Okay, so let, let me just give you these observations um, out of Deuteronomy 6. And then um, I want Diana to share some of her uh, examples of, of modeling. Um, here's observations I've gotten out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Number one, it's God's plan to use parents to transmit Love for him to their children and their grandchildren, the future, future generations. Okay, this is going to seem somewhat like no-brainer, but it's really not. Because here's the way the partnership works as I read it in here. When you talk about these verses that we've read, the diligence, the everywhere, the every time kind of deal, 
it's hugely important to the father. He said, this is why I'm, I'm leading you in the promised land. I want to bless you and your children, but here's how you have to partner with me. You have to raise them up to love me. Um, the parents are God's chosen way. They're God's design. Can God take broken families? How many in here are testimony that he can and he can redeem that? Yes. Is that his plan A? No, it's not. Um, is it better with parents who both love the Lord and there's an atmosphere? Of, yes, it's much better. Is, is there lots of um, broken fragments inside of children that come from broken homes? How many can testify? Yes, there's fragments. My heart for our children was, and our heart for our children, because, you know, Diane came from a horribly broken home, and um, my, my parents weren't believers, and so we weren't raised in any kind of godly home. My heart for my kids was, God, what would it be like if my kids didn't have to spend the first five or ten years of their adult life undoing all the twistedness that they had sowed in their heart? How great would that be? They could start where I am when I'm 35. That'd be awesome. What could God do with them? So much of the, his time in dealing with me is trying to get all the messed up parts in, out of my life, man. How many can testify? That's the truth. All this stuff that's sown inside of you doesn't just automatically go, poof, oh, it's okay now. No, you got to get those fragments out. And so how beautiful is it to, to have a place where God can raise his children in an atmosphere where they love and know him and experience his presence and they don't experience, um, you know, directly in their own soul the brokenness and fragmentation that so many of us have experienced. Thank God for the cross that he saved us and brought us out. But how beautiful it is not to have been twisted and damaged and have shrapnel in your soul. Um, second observation goes right along with that. Because it's God's plan and his design, listen, this is so, so important. I know this is really basic right now, but just please be patient with me. Let me just lay this foundation. Because it's his design, that implies strongly to me, and we're going to look at this a little bit later. We'll just see how far we get, but Therefore, that means that he's going to enable us and equip us as we look to him for wisdom and help. Because if he says, I'm going to give you this job, but forget about getting any help or any wisdom or any insight. No. Can I tell you something? As parents, we have more authority to help shape our children than anybody alive. Nobody has the authority that a parent has to shape the life of their children. Because why? Because God ordained them as the authority in the home. So he pours his authority through authority structure, right? You're the authority structure. And I tell guys, look, you're the head of your home. I don't care if you feel incompetent, whatever. You're the head of the home. And if you go to God and say, God, help me, give me wisdom here. He's going, yeah, that's the right door. You're going to be the doorway. The authority in our life is always the doorway for God to pour his blessing in. The parents are supposed to be the doorway for God to pour his blessing onto the children. And so we make ourselves available. So wherever God puts us as authority, we're supposed to be the doorway for his blessing to come through us to the people that are underneath. In the, the lie in this culture, can I tell you what the lie in this culture is that's over and over again? It, it's the lie that's behind all the feminist um, philosophy. The lie is this, to be under authority is to be oppressed. That's exactly opposite of the Bible picture. Actually, to be under authority is to be blessed. You have a shield over you that's going to take the bullet and the shrapnel for you. I thank God for the guys with the badge on the street. They're not oppressing me. <laughs> They're protecting me. 
from the guy who would come to my house with an Uzi and kick my door down and take everything in my house. Do I, do I uh, chafe because I have authority? I'm under, no, I'm not oppressed, I'm blessed. Honestly, true authority, and I get that it's been abused, but the true authority of a husband in a home, he's, he's a blessing for his wife. Like, to me, women are like, I, I, th- I just want to ask, like, you want to throw yourself out from under the authority that God has put in place? And I'm like, why would you want to do that? He wants to bless you in that place. <laughs> anyway, maybe another s- uh, subject. But, um, okay, so number three, this is verse five and six of Deuteronomy, and I'm just about done with this, so thank you for your patience on this, but this is really important stuff. Our own walk with God as parents is central to the process of communicating faith to our children. Our own walk with God. You saw verse 5. Parent, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Um, These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. Here's the real deal. How many preacher's kids have you ever heard testify that they turned away from the Lord because they saw the hypocrisy in their own home and in the church. They're having, come on, we've all heard those stories. And they have the hardest time coming back because kids have a a very sensitive nose for hypocrisy. Here's the good news for parents. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be honest. What, one of the most important things that we can communicate to our kids is they need to see our heart and our soul We do love Jesus, and when we do wrong and when we don't portray that well, you know what takes that seed of woundedness out of them? For us to go, I'm so sorry. I was wrong, and I asked Jesus to forgive me. I was wrong. That pulls that seed of wound out of that child's heart. If we try to hide it and pretend like, we're this or that, they smell it right away. Like, we're so foolish. Children are so perceptive of hypocrisy. They can smell it a mile away. They know exactly who you are as their parents. They know who you are. Um, But here's the beautiful thing. They know who you are. So when there's a heart that loves Jesus and you can talk to them and there's tears in your eyes and you say, Jesus has been so good to me. They feel it like this. They feel that. You don't think that affects them. It affects them. You know, my, my, uh, my daughter was just saying the other day um, to, to Diane, like, Mom, like, when you would go in your room and pray, um, and you would come out and share with us from the Bible, and there would be tears in your eyes, and you shared with such passion and heart, like, I knew Jesus was real. I knew he was real. This isn't rocket science. It's just being authentic with your own relationship and your heart before the Lord. Like, that impacts those little souls, and it shapes them and molds them. See, this is the power of testimony. This is, this is what um, Paul said to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy. He said, I, I am aware of the sincere faith that dwells within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm convinced that it dwells in you too. You see that process? There's a sincere faith that impacted and shaped that boy from his grandmother to his mother. His father wasn't a believer. You see that? But his grandmother and his mother were, and that shaped his life. And Paul said that was the origin of the sincere faith that was in him. 
there's impact of that sincerity of faith. And so for us to love the Lord with all of our heart and to be honest with our own failings before our kids um, is, is a powerful thing. So um, our walk with God is central. And then, and then number four, uh, this is the last observation I have. Um, we must be all in participants with God. Um, this is what we talked about diligently, um, wherever, whenever, on the doorpost, on the house, on your forehead, on your, I mean, this is lifestyle sharing of who you are. So here's a great thing for parents. It makes us be authentic and it makes us try to get deeper. Um, and, cr- and cry out to the Lord, you know. What a great thing for children to see in their parents, like the longing and the yearning for God to have more control of my life and for me to have a deeper walk with Jesus. That is powerfully shaping for a child to see their parents like that. I mean, when we came home from the minister that we were involved in um, in, in home church for that whole length of time, one of the things that the Lord told us was, you can't raise my children the way I want them raised and live like this so overly over the top busy and so for us I mean that was a mandate from the Lord for that season Um, but it was because his heart was to capture the hearts of those little children he knew in the state that we were living it wasn't going to happen because we couldn't be all in we couldn't partner with him in that way and allow him to capture their hearts and so um, it's a huge and, and big deal um Biblical parenting is profoundly God-centered. God is the goal of it. He is the one that those children belong to. And just like we say with our money, I'm just a steward of it. The truth is we're just steward of our children. They're really God's. And he's entrusted them to us with this stewardship so that we will be diligent. He knows we don't have the wherewithal to make them know him, but he wants us, and he's called parenting this partnership. You give your all, your diligence, and you cry out to me for the power and the presence and the worship, and we'll have a partnership that'll do something inside of your kids. Yeah, It'll, it'll do something. I will do something in your children. Again, this is me. You guys have heard me say this a hundred times. But this has been so formative in my own heart or to have focus of cr- you know, crying out to God, feeling so inept of how am I going to parent. This is the thing that he showed me that changed my life and the way that I parent and father. And he gave me confidence and trust in him. He said, if you will create an atmosphere in your home where I am pleased to dwell, I will do in your children what you can never do yourself. That's the key. We want their hearts to be captured by Jesus so that they come and confess their sins before we know that they've committed them and they want to be right with God. How beautiful it is. I can tell you it's so beautiful when your children come to you crying and saying, I just need Jesus to touch my heart. I've got this place. I mean, man, you just want to fall down and go, it's okay, baby. This is so good. You know what I mean? But God's dealing with them, seeing the Lord deal with the hearts of your children in a real way and that he's capturing their heart. So beautiful. Um, it's such a different way of parenting than trying to regulate the external behavior only. But if you never get their heart, you've lost them. And this is the way that God ordained to get their heart. Uh, it's for him. So, so, there's two sides to the parenting thing, and then I'll let Diane share for a little while. Um, 
sorry for being, um, but I told you this time is going to be a little bit more foundation. But um, here's here's the two sides to parenting. So, so we model a love for God, right? This is this is verse five, and we also instruct and teach. Right? Those are kind of the two sides. And there's another verse we'll get to probably be next time. Um, but as parents. We have to be the model. We have to be the living model that our children behold. Again, it's not perfection, but it's authenticity, and kids know the difference. Do you know your kids don't expect you to be perfect? But what kills their little hearts is when we pretend to be perfect, and they know we're not. (laughs) If we can be authentic, you know what that teaches them? There's hope for me. Even intuitively, they realize that they're not all right. Um, but it models for them, this is how we deal with God. He's good and he's gracious and he's merciful. And if we repent, he forgives us and gives us grace and he changes us. That's a beautiful thing for children to learn. Um, so, babe, you share about the whole modeling thing. Thank you. 
Let me share one more verse, and then let's make some more application here. Um, we still got, we got time. It's not even 22 yet. We're doing awesome. Um, Ephesians 6.4, if you guys are taking notes, this is a great New Testament verse that basically um, talks about what the role of parenting is and how God wants us to partner with him. Ephesians 6.4, it says this, fathers, this would include mothers as well, but the fathers are the ones that are actually going to be accountable before the Lord for their children, which is a, it's a heavy accountability. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is like a really concise thing. It is so helpful to me. Let me just break this down a little bit, if you guys will just track with me for a little bit. Um, 
Fathers, don't provoke your children. So let me start at the phrases that I want to, there's four different phrases here or words that I want to highlight in this verse that are so significant as far as parenting and um, our journey as well. This last phrase in the verse says, of the Lord. So it talks about to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's kind of ambiguous. So follow me here. It could be that he's talking about the instruction and the discipline or the nurture. I'm going to talk about that word too. He could be saying that God has given you this book with his instructions in it, so raise them up in light of this. Um, that's kind of the example that I gave of here. There's a book in your mailbox. Just figure it out and use your manual for your kids. But it could also mean this, and I think that it does, the discipline and instruction of the Lord himself. Follow what I'm saying? He's personally involved in the discipline and then the instruction because it's the discipline instruction of the Lord. You'll you get where I'm going with that. Like, there's a huge difference between going, we're going to apply biblical principles to our child rearing. That's a good thing. But there's a, there's a light years of difference between God himself is going to get involved and help us to know how to discipline and instruct our children. There's light years of difference. There's the difference between so often frustration and between actually seeing the Holy Spirit doing something where we're actually seeing God himself is present, working in us. I will give you, it's like wear the glove. This is an example that I like. God is the hand. He's going, will you just be my glove? Yeah, you have to be diligent. You have to be diligent, but will you just be my glove and let me do the thing that you don't have the strength or the power or the insight to do? Um, that's, that's so huge. So the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So let me, let me talk about these other three phrases, and then we can just look at this for just a minute. So I'm saying God is personally present. He wants to be personally present in our parenting. How many parents can say amen? amen. Yeah, th- this, is, this is not... Um, to me, this is not negotiable. The Holy Spirit has to be personally present in, in our parenting. That's why the title of this series is Parenting with God. Not parenting for God, parenting with God. Uh, he wants to be personally involved, but he has to have an instrument. It's called dad and mom. It's called dad and mom. Um, okay, instruction. Th- these two words, discipline and instruction. Let me just break this down for a minute. This is really important. The word instruction has the idea of verbally instructing, more like teaching. So that's more or less the verbal aspect. The word discipline is the word for child training, and it has the idea of shaping through behavior. So one deals more with teaching, verbal instruction. The other one deals more with shaping through behavior. Um, that's important. Both of those are really important in shaping the heart of a child. And then this word provoke. Okay, here's, here's the negative part of this verse that is so hugely important. Do not provoke your children to anger. The word provoke there means to irritate, exasperate, dishearten, discourage. How do we do that? There are certain things in parenting that are toxic. There's certain things in parenting that are toxic to your kids and toxic to your relationship with them. It's this whole thing of provoking them to anger. What kinds of things provoke children to anger? Neglect, 
if they feel like they are not safe, secure, taken care of, they're not in a secure environment, um, that makes them angry. Children who are abandoned or who, you know, they, their parents aren't there for them, they feel angry usually. Um, can I tell you something? That this is just the truth, and the Bible bears this out. We'll talk about it later. But rebellion at its beginning starts with wounding. It doesn't come out of nothing. It comes from wounding. And so often, unfortunately, the parents that are um, uh, mandated with partnering with the Father can be the ones that wound. Again, Jesus is a redeemer. How many can testify? He's taken us all out of broken places. He can override and overrule anything uh, given the given place. But, but here's the thing. There's carnage. When David sinned and did the whole thing with Bathsheba and um, Uriah and, and all of that stuff, when David numbered the, the children of Israel and sinned, and all of those occasions where David sinned so grievously, the Lord said, your sins are forgiven. But he didn't say, but all of the ramifications and, and uh, problems associated with your sin are now going to be wiped out and you're not going to have any more. No, they still had more. There was still plague on Israel. There was still havoc in his family from all of the things that happened. And so we don't want the circumstances. Um, Jesus forgives and he's good, but the, the truth of Scripture is still you reap what you sow. And so we want to not have our children reap those kind of benefits. Can, can you say amen? Okay. Um, what kinds of things provoke our children? Anger. This is, this is probably at the top of the list. Parental anger provokes our children. It shuts down their heart. How do you feel when somebody gets up to you and is yelling in your face? You're like, get away from me. No, I, don't, I won't hear anything you're saying because your heart shuts down. Children are the same way. Anger shuts them down. Look, we all have issues. You know, I've, I've told my story bunches of times with, with little Landon, how, you know, he was like a little caged animal. I was trying to deal with him. He's very difficult. And, you know, he rears back and blows a big snot ball and hits me in the chest with it. And I just, before I could think, I snatched him up. He's hanging by the air. I have him by his shirt. And he's looking at me <laughs> with the eyes of his big. Like, Daddy, that's not who I thought you were. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much what I said to the Lord. That's not who I thought I was either. Um, but that's when he spoke to me, that verse in James 1, 20. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. The righteous purposes of God are not going to be accomplished through our own anger. We think we're restraining the kids. We think that we're, we're right to be angry with them. And the devil has lied to us. Because it shuts them down. Anger is never the right response. Um, you know what the problem is, honestly, with parents? I mean, and this is what we have to own to. Like, we have, <laughs> we're trying to help our kids control their flesh and be self-controlled, but we have issues ourselves with self-control. <laughs> so we don't want to get up off the chair. I don't know, many times I'm sitting in the chair, I'm so tired after work, I'm exhausted. And they'll do some little thing and look at me like, you said not to do that, but I just did it. I'm like, oh, I don't want to see that. But, and the Holy Spirit's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to let that seed of rebellion be sown in their heart? And you're going to let it root and grow there? Is that what you're going to do? I'm like, doggone it. 
okay, am I going to get up? I got to deal with it. I have to deal with that. So self-control is part of the issue. You know what happens with a lot of children? A child left to himself does what? A child left to himself, the Bible says, brings his mother to shame. That's part of leaving a child to himself is not tending to the issues of their heart um, in the way that we should. That's is why he started out in Deuteronomy 6 with the whole diligent thing. Parents, look, I'm going to partner with you. Got to be diligent. It's got to be in the morning when you get up. It's got to be in the night when you're walking together. It's got to be during the day. It's got to be on the gatepost. It's got to be on your forehead. It's got to be like, ah! No, it's day and night. It is. And so the Lord wants us to be available. Here, again, repentance pulls those seeds out. It does. Um, Okay, so what causes that kind of um, provoking? Emotional disconnect. Emotional disconnect. Can, can, Can I tell you something? Um, because we have seven children, you emotionally connect with certain of your children because they're more like you than others. And so you have to be intentional to overcome that, knowing that that's your own flesh. And if you don't overcome that, then your child will perceive that emotionally you're not rightly connected with them. And they will resent that. And it can provoke them to anger. Um, unreasonable expectations. Um, you know, we, we need to choose our battles with our children and, and not um, draw lines that are unenforceable. If we make rules, that provokes them to anger where the, the expectations are just too unreasonable. Um, if we disrespect our children, in the way that we discipline them, that provokes them to anger. Shut up, you're so stupid. Can't you listen to what I told you one time? How many times do I have to tell you? Can't you hear? There's he who speaks like the piercings of a sword. Sticks right in their little heart. You know what their response is? They shut down. They're wounded. But when they think about it, they're angry. And rightly so, because you just stabbed them in the heart. Um, Disrespect is not okay for parents to deal with their children. Um, One thing that Diane did that's so great when the kids were little, and they were talking to her, you know, instead of so many, so often you're so busy with things and you're up here and they're down there and you're looking around, you see the stove, you see the this and you see the that. She would get down on her knees to get eye level with them and talk to them and say, honey, what was it that you needed? They felt respected. That's very beautiful. And that connects their heart to you. Um, another thing is embarrassing your children. Some, sometimes parents do it ignorantly. They don't mean harm by it but their child is devastated because they've, they've humiliated them in front of their peers. Oh, tell Johnny what you did the other day. When or why don't you sing that little song that you sang for me? And, and they're like, <laughs> no, you, no, really, you need to think about your child's heart when, when you're, that you don't embarrass them because here, here's the deal. I hope that you guys will get this phrase. We still have 10 minutes, so you're all good. Um, Here's, here's a phrase that we use a lot. I, I really hope that, that you guys will adapt and adopt it. Here's a phrase, super important. Here's the phrase, heartstrings. 
there are things that tie your heart to their heart. And there are things that cut the strings between your heart and their heart. You have to be careful with the heart strings with your child. All ages. See, th this never goes away. This is not like, okay, they're 10 now, praise God. You know, no, it, it never goes away. And anything that you can do that connects heartstrings with your heart with your child will be a blessing for you and will give God greater access in their life. Anything that you do that cuts the heartstrings between you and your child will cut off actually your influence and your authority in their life, which is the flow of God's life into them. Heartstrings are hugely important. If you get nothing else out of what we've said tonight, heartstrings, just think about heartstrings in the way that you're interacting with your child. Am I building heartstrings or am I cutting them? Like sometimes we just don't realize um, the impatience. Can, can I tell you things that cut heartstrings? Uh, look, at, look at my eyes like now. <sighs> you just cut them. You just got them. Oh, man. Snipped them. All these kind of things, it, it matters. It really does matter um, whether or not we keep heartstrings. And, again, the issue so often with us is, yeah, we get aggravated. I mean, anybody that's parented can testify that they have been aggravated by their children <laughs> to the point of wanting to. Um, but that's our flesh. See, our calling is to partner with the Lord and what he wants to do. And so we have to deny ourselves. How many know parents have to deny ourselves? <laughs> it's a self-denial role. It's part of parenting. We need to deny ourselves and our own desires, our own emotions, and go, you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to yield to that. I'm not going to give the devil place here um, in this conversation. So, baby, go ahead. <laughs> On heartstrings. And then... Well, we got seven minutes. <laughs> okay. Well, I wanted to say we're talking about, you know, looking at your children. And if you're, you know, if they're running, you're cooking dinner, and they tell you something, and you turn and leave, and you're like, and they're trying to calm down. You're like, yeah, okay, okay. What if they're not listening, but I act like I'm listening, or I guess I turn around and I'm like, I want you to tell me what that was before.
That's a great phrase too, filling up the love tank. If you think about that with the heartstrings, fill up their little love tank. So uh, very often, um, poor behavior in children is because they feel disconnected to you and they need their little love tank filled up. They're trying, they don't know how to articulate it, but they're saying, my little love tank's empty, I'm dry. And they just need a little bit of time of really focused attention and loving. Probably have to do that in a couple minutes too. So, <coughs> yeah. So maybe, yeah. So maybe I could just add to what you were saying there. Your children perceiving love from the parent. I think a big part of that is that they perceive that you enjoy them. That you there's this whole thing of the father delighting over the son. It's not delighting over them in the way that they're an idol or they're the center of your universe, but there's something that touches the deepest parts of all of us. Um, but particularly a child from his parent, when they perceive and feel from you that you enjoy being with them. Like there is so much difference between that and, okay, well now we're gonna spend some quality time. Like this, is this, this quality time thing that's been put out was kind of, I mean, to me it was kind of, um, well, I'm not, I'm not really going to spend much time with you, but the time we have together is going to be real quality. And you're going to plan, you know, it's just kind of an excuse for, I really don't spend any time with you, but we're going to take 15 <laughs> minutes. This quality time is going to be worth 10 times the amount. And can, can I just tell you with children, they don't measure quality time, they measure time. 
Um, and so you, you can't substitute and go, oh, well, 15 minutes of quality time. Well, I get that that's better than watching TV. But, but connected heart time, here, here's the real truth. The people that have the most influence over our lives are the people that we feel like actually like being with us. If we perceive that people don't like being with us, we don't open up our heart to them. It's the same with our children. If they perceive like they're always underfoot, they're a burden, not a blessing, like why are you always in my way? I'm trying to get stuff done and here you are. I mean, there's just messages that we communicate sometimes because we get blind in our, in our busyness. <laughs> but we need, to, we need to think about that is just letting your heart communicate to the heart of your child. I really like being with you. Just being with you. I like it. Can, and I'll close with this and we're done. We're going to pray. My children, our children, um, they, a couple years ago, Christmas, they made us this deck of cards, 52 cards, and it's on our nightstand in our room. And it's 52 reasons why we love you, mom and dad. And, and they wrote all different reasons on there. You know, all of them wrote some of the reasons on there. But, but here's some of the things that surprised me that they wrote on there. Thank you for playing games with us. Like, they're adults now. But those times together, because I, I love it. You know, we get together and rumble on the floor or we just play games and we're yelling and, you know, it's just craziness. <laughs> you hear, if you're in the other room, you hear, ah! you're like, what, what just happened? But you know how it is. It, but we enjoy being together and, and for their little heart, you know, this was just like a love tank thing. For, for me, like, it's not an act at all. At all. Like, I love being with them. I love playing games with them. And um, I'm just, you know, I'm into it just as much. But, but the thing that amazes me is, like, it's not something they said when they were 10. It's something they say when they're adults. Like, that still, rem for them, mark them. And they remember. Like, they, they drink of your love for them. And that is expressed through your enjoyment of being with them. The way that we look at our children, so many things can either cut strings or build them. The way we look at them and just smile, and they go, what? I just, I love you. I think you're such a neat person, and I love being with you. Like, what does that do to a child? They're just like, wow. Um, it, it, it marks them, and that's the way the Father embraces us in Christ Jesus, and we're just modeling him. It's his delight in his own children. Um, so it's after eight. Let's, let's just pray. And guys, will you do this for me? Like if you have questions, we would love to have them written down or emailed or whatever because we really would love to ponder those and, um, uh, you know, make sure that we can be as helpful as possible, um, you know, during these sessions. So we'd love to have them either on paper or email, whatever. Whatever you think of, whatever issue you're going through, whatever problem, because we're going to cover the issues of discipline, but we're covering... Um, things that are foundational first. And the heartstrings issue is huge. It's huge. If you get that right as a parent, you're more than halfway there. Even if you do a terrible job at disciplining, if you get the heartstrings issue right, you're more than halfway there. Discipline's important. Correction's important. But if you got the heartstrings in place, 
it's going to be a totally different ball game than if you don't and try to discipline without those. You can make them angry and hurtful, but if they know that you love them and that you delight in them, they will receive your correction. It's so much different. Um, let's pray. Father, uh, you're so good. You're so wise. You're so amazing that you can take people like us and you actually use us to accomplish your purposes. Uh, so we just invite you, Lord, all of us as parents in this room, we just want to invite you into our lives in a deeper way and into our homes and into our parenting that, that it wouldn't just be us trying to represent the Lord to our children, but that, Lord, you would actually, it would be you. It would be the nurture and the instruction of the Lord himself that you would come and that you would do the things and bring the wisdom and give us grace to repent and that you would just help us to, to um, be vessels that you could actually fill and flow through for the blessing and for the eternal good and destiny of these precious souls that you have made for yourself. Father, give us wisdom. We pray that you continue to do that and to build on the things that you plant in us even this night. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.